The one-two pitch. Hit toward third. Castro has it. Spins, fires. A perfect game! Roy Halladay has thrown the second perfect game in Philadelphia Phillies history. He faces 27 batters. He retires all 27. Hey, howdy, hey, everybody, and welcome to the next episode of Two On, Two Out, a podcast with Bob and Andrew. Bob, how are we feeling today? Uh, yeah. Good answer. I love it. I love it. Uh, a week ago when we recorded this, uh, this fine podcast, uh, we went over a little breakdown of the first quarter plus of the Philly season, and, you know, we looked ahead to this road trip where they were heading to Tampa Bay and Cincinnati. Uh, and, you know, uh, with with a five-game set over seven days, you know, a couple off days in there, we thought, you know, try to uh, try to take three out of four, or I'm sorry, three out of five, you know, you're on the road, going one over 500 would be great. Uh, the Phillies ended up going one and three with a rainout, um, including a sweep by the Tampa Bay Rays. Just um, like we said. Yeah, and splitting the series out in Cincinnati. So. Uh, I guess before we get into the you know four games that they did play, what, uh, more I already asked you how you're feeling, Bob. But how are you feeling <laughs> about this team? Because um, you know I I love talking baseball. I love talking about the team, and you know I, I I love sitting and doing this every week. But I would be lying if I said it weren't a bit more difficult to do. Um, you know when the team is playing like this, and they're uh, you know the excitement levels are kind of. Uh, drifting away as as we see the product on the field. What's you know what's what's your take right now? Uh, well, I honestly I don't know. Um, I know we had a lot of hopes coming into the season, um, and we talked about a couple weeks ago the rough stretch of games that we're about to head into, which we will talk about later on. Um, I don't know. It's it's a weird feeling because I I think this team is underachieving. Um, and this division is still winnable. Uh, and even getting into the playoffs, I think is still achievable. But you know, you're starting to weigh—is it worth it, or uh, you know, do we need to start worrying more about the future and maybe either bringing guys up or sending guys down to get more time or? Uh, trading whatever assets you have for next year, um, just in a weird spot. So that's why that's why I have the eh, answer because it's it's just that's how I feel. It's just a, we're in a weird spot of I think we can, but is it worth it? And uh, can we actually? Yeah, well, you make you make a lot of good points there. Um, you know, one of the things you mentioned was about the division, and yeah, you know, right now the Mets do have a. A four-game lead over the Braves, four and a half over the Phillies, um, and then six and six and a half over Miami and Washington. Um, those sound like, you know, bigger leads, but the Mets also have played significantly fewer games than the rest of the division. I, you know, it may be as high as six or seven that, you know, they'll need to play catch up on. So, yeah. um, you know, the, the also June fourth, and, and we're not yeah, even through yeah. the third month of this of the season. Yeah, it's um. 
Oh, and then I think it plays into another point you make where, and I don't believe you use the word rebuild, but it, it we do or should talk about this quote-unquote rebuild that the Phillies had because you've seen teams, I mean, for instance, the Red Sox, in the same time that you know we've rebuilt, quote-unquote, um, the Red Sox have won a championship, dismantled, and then now made themselves contenders again in a span of, what, four or five years? And, you know, we're we're on a 10-plus year stretch where we haven't even reached the point that we're back in the playoffs, let alone, you know, championship contention and um, whatnot. So they're, again, talking about the future, you know, talking about what you do going into the, you know, deadline, We the, um, you know, the links to, to vote for the All-Star players that started coming out this week. So we are getting to that point in the season where uh, it's it's a lot to think about. You know, uh, do you bring up the young guys? What young guys do you bring up? Because it's not like it's not like the farm system is chock full of, um, you know, top level prospects. So uh, it's very much in a state of. Yeah, there's no Ryan Howard. That's that's waiting the, yeah. in the wings right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just a very weird uh, situation that this team is in. Uh, and, uh, you know, good old Dave Dombrowski is going to do a lot of work. Uh, I think we'll see most of his work done after this season. Um, but I am from, he's been very quiet since he's been here. And I, I just, I would love to just hear what he thinks about this team right now. Um, and, and what he, uh, envisions for the future. Yeah. And what's even tougher, whoever you were to put in this role, it's, tough to balance you know you just signed um jt ramuta to those five years harper's here for another decade so those are two guys right there that are locked in you know i think nola's in here for another three four years so you've got these you know big names that locked in you get yourself it's not a completely new leadership because it's still john middleton you know heading things so man oh man i didn't actually expect us to get into this type of discussion right off the bat but um yeah it's 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 rough there's a lot of um just a lot of question marks and um you know not a lot of those question marks are going to be answered anytime soon so now um, we kind of just have Andrew- Let's get to the games and let's let's start with the series with the team that's honestly everybody should be building uh, mm-hmm. or modern themselves after. Uh, that that is when we went down to see the good old Tampa Bay Rays. Yeah, yeah, and um, you know one guy you um, to bring up from the um, from the Rays organization. Uh, I always forget how to say his first name. Bloom. Uh, that was working in their organization that got um, I believe he got it's hired. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. Um, 
got hired as a Red Sox GM, and he, you know, he's a big part of why they you know, turned it around so quickly. So yes, it, the Rays are, other than you know their lack of willingness to spend money, they are a team to to uh, photocopy your how you run a franchise, um, uh, but at least the non-money side of, um, and yeah, they they prove it time and time again. Here they are again, sitting atop of their division. And we knew going into this series, you know, two games uh, that it would be tough for the Phillies. Even with Wheeler and Eflin going out there, we knew that you know, it was going to be a battle. So in that first game, uh, which is worth noting on that um, that Saturday, May 29th, was the 11th year anniversary of uh, Ray Halliday's perfect game against the the Marlins. Uh, we could talk more about that a little later on. Uh, we didn't get to too much about him last week. Uh, but so in, that, in uh, this year's uh, game... It was Zach Wheeler starting things off. He would end up going seven innings, uh, giving up four hits, three earned runs. Uh, two of those runs came in the first inning. Uh, it was a two-run home run to Austin Meadows. Um, Wheeler would come away with 14 strikeouts. I believe that was a career high for him, or at least tied a career high. Uh, two walks. So another solid outing. And as we talk about you know, the all-star vote, I, we'll get into it later. But right now, Zach Wheeler really is the only one making a case to get himself into. Um, into that you know Colorado game, mm-hmm. um, as we head into the the fifth inning, the, at this point the Phillies are down two to nothing. We get a one out walk from Adul Herrera, a bunt single from Roman Quinn. Um, so you know two guys on one out, and Ronald Torres, who's been seeing a lot of you know playing time with a couple injuries uh, to the team, he had, comes up with an RBI double down the right field line. It gets misplayed by Manuel Margot. Um, so uh, Herrera would have scored easily, and then it allows Roman Quinn to round third and head home. Uh, however, Quinn would, I believe, tear his Achilles uh, coming around third base, and he, you know, he hopped himself to home plate. He, you know, didn't give up on the play, and you know, ended up tying the tying the game up. But uh, we'd later find out that this would be the end of the season for Roman Quinn. And man, his his career they they put up a graphic of all his injuries, and uh, it's just one thing after another with after another with him and. He just, you know, cannot stay healthy. And despite what he does bring to the team in terms of speed and, um, you know, he's made a few throws from center field to, you know, throw guys out of the plate. Um, He just cannot keep himself uh, on the team uh, long enough. And, um, you know, it it continues to catch up with him. And that may have been the last game we see of him in a Phillies uniform. I believe he uh, becomes a free agent after this year. So, yeah, you're right. So far, and I'm watching the replay. You can see almost the exact point of where it happens. And mm-hmm. you know, it's pretty gutsy play of him just like literally hobbling over to yeah. uh, home plate. But yeah, I believe uh, he's having surgery and he will be out at least nine to 12 months. Mm. Um, yeah. And yeah, like I said, we'll see if uh, he gets uh, re-signed in the off season or if he uh, is indeed moving on. Yeah. He'll, um, if he's not picked up here, he'll certainly be picked up somewhere. Just that kind of speed. You can't, you can't ignore it. And, no, um, and everybody could use an outfielder, especially uh, mm-hmm. a guy with that kind of speed. Mm-hmm. And even with the injury concerns, you know, he's. I think he's worth a, you know, at least a minor league contract somewhere with a guy who's capable of playing in the big leagues and some guy who can keep in the minors maybe and call up when you need him. Well, the Rays would go on to take the lead. Um, they would score an extra run off of Zach Wheeler. So a 3-2 lead going into the seventh inning where we see Matt Joyce Come in for a pinch hit, and he hits a a home run. Um, I believe it was his first hit in what twenty nine at bats. You had texted me uh, when it happened. Uh, you know that doesn't 
surely doesn't erase any uh you know any of his performance from the rest of the season but it was nice to see him come up and you know produce for the team a little bit tie things it, up and it just proves that uh, he listens to the podcast and he oh, uh, motivated by us and yeah. he wanted to prove us wrong absolutely absolutely so matt if you're listening you know keep keep it up big guy good job <laughs> uh the eighth inning saw um sam coomrod come in in relief of um Zach Wheeler, and it was not his greatest performance. He gives up a single, uh, does get a strikeout, and then an intentional walk uh, to the next batter after, I believe it was a Rosarena, made a swipe of second base. So two guys on. They bring Jose Alvarado into the game in his return to Tampa Bay, and he allows a single to Austin Meadows. Uh, he hits the next batter with a pitch, followed by a strikeout, and then a bases loaded walk. So uh, the Rays end up scoring... Two, two in that inning. I'm sorry, they scored two runs in that inning to take the five to three lead. Uh, ja- yeah, Jackie Bradley, uh, Archie Bradley into <laughs> the game uh, to uh, finish off that inning. So it takes. So Zach Wheeler goes seven innings, um, you know, giving up the three runs, and then the combination of Sam Coonrod, Jose Alvarado, and Archie Bradley all combined to throw one inning um, and give up those two extra runs to the Rays, and that would be it. The Rays take that game five to three. Uh, one more note in that game that we um, didn't touch on: JT Ramuto does return to the lineup. Uh, I believe he was—I believe he was catching that game. Maybe he did DH, but uh, Ramuto does make his return to the team after um, ten days on the injured list. Uh, so we move ahead to the Sunday game, the um, the final game of that quick two-game set with the Rays. Uh, once again, the Phillies would fall. This time, the Rays score six, and the Phillies just two. Zach Eflin gets the start. He goes four and two-thirds of an inning. Uh, six hits allowed, four earned runs, one walk, and five strikeouts. Um, not much to talk about as as far as the Philly offense goes. Uh, Romuto did have a sacrifice fly, and Brad Miller had an RBI double in the sixth inning to score the Phillies only two runs of the game. Uh, for the Rays, Mike Zanino and Brett Phillips both hit home runs. Uh, G-Man Choi with a double. Uh, so that, that buzzsaw that we talked about last week of the Tampa Bay Rays continued to chop through uh, the Phillies and and um, you know sweep that two game set. So uh, after that quick little sweep, the Phillies then head to Cincinnati um, on Memorial Day. Uh, not a pretty performance. Uh, the Phillies would fall to the Reds eleven to one in this one, and uh, we saw a bit of a return to earth for Vince Velasquez. He would go just three innings, uh, allow five hits, six earned runs, with three walks and three strikeouts. Um, real quick, Bob, is this? Do you see this as? Do you see this as a hiccup for Vince Velasquez, or do you see it as okay? You know, his his little fun streak is over, and we're getting back to quote unquote the real Vince Velasquez. Uh, Vince to me was always a cautionary tale of uh, you know, kind of ride him while you can ride his hot streak. Um, so it's for me, it's always sort of been start by start. Um, you really don't have too many other options. Um, so, you know, next time he goes out, you just kind of have to, you know, keep doing, at least what I've been doing is just hoping that he can, um, you know, in the past it was hoping he could stay hot. Now it's hoping he can sort of return to form and just give you at least uh, a solid quality start, at least. Yeah. Um, it... Go ahead, finish here. No, no, but like it, it was like, it was one of those games where, like, off the bat, you kind of knew it was not going to be a win, and and uh, not that the, the team threw in the towel, but 
you know, they put in Anderson after him and then David Hale after him. So it was one of those games where like they they kinda knew it wasn't gonna be a, a good game. Um so it was just uh you know, I, I yeah. I always took whatever start that Vince make with a grain of salt. Um, you know, and I don't want to pull him from the rotation because who you gonna replace him with? Um, you know, it's just one of those things where you just you hope he can just keep you in games and unfortunately uh he did not. Yeah, and, and to your point about staying in the rotation, I he's he's done enough this year that he has earned himself the right to stay in there for you know, at least a couple more shots. If you know, if he continues to perform like he did in the Cincinnati game, then yes, it's time to reevaluate. But I think the nice little streak he went on before this has earned him, um, you know, the chance to to redeem himself. Uh, like you said, Chase Anderson and David Hale both did come into the game. Anderson goes three, allows three hits and two earned runs. David Hale goes his inning in two thirds, three earned runs, one walk, one strikeout. Hector Neris did appear in this game after not appearing in um, either of the games in Tampa Bay. Uh, he gets two ground outs. One of them gets thrown away by, uh, Ronald Torres, but Neris does finish out the eighth. Um, the only run scored for the Phillies in this one, uh, JT Romuto with an RBI ground out, uh, for the Reds, Kyle Farmer, uh, collects five RBIs and Max Schrock, three RBIs. Um, so just not a, um, not a pretty performance all around for, uh, for the Phillies in that one. And it would be a much different story in the Tuesday game against the the Reds. Uh, the final score of this one is seventeen to three with the Phillies on top. Well, you'd see Ronald Torres with his first home run since twenty seventeen. Um, he'd also collect a an RBI double later in the game. Adubo Herrera would collect two home runs in this one, three RBIs. Reese Hoskins hits a two run home run as well as an RBI double to collect three RBIs himself. Andrew McCutcheon with two home runs. He McCutcheon, I think, has done that a couple times this year, where he hits two home runs in a game. Um, yeah, would have... I would, those two home runs were like no doubters too. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, the one that Herrera hit to like right center, I was like, we we're kind of waiting to see if it was going to go out. Mm-hmm. But with McCutcheon, it was just like, bang, that's gone. Yeah. Bang, that's yep. gone. Yeah, when uh, McCutcheon, I don't know that any of his home runs this year have been cheap. He seems to really, when he gets one, he he gets it, um, you know, right on the barrel and. Um, yeah. it's fun to see, you know, you, you wish, uh, his, uh, his numbers had, um, you know, picked back up. We saw him get dropped from the leadoff spot. And I don't know if that's more of Oduwa playing so well or McCutcheon kind of falling off that hot streak he was on, but, um, I think it's know. more doable. Um, yeah. and this, this is the game that kind of is frustrating because they scored 17 runs. Mm-hmm. The previous six games, they had scored a combined 13 runs. It's just like, well, this is the kind of the glimpse of the team that you thought you would have, and it's, mm-hmm. wasn't, it was a game where uh, you didn't have Didi at all, um, and it's just you know this is the game that you thought you would have like not like every day, but you just thought, okay, th- this team can do this, you know, maybe once every week and a half, uh, and you know score more than two runs. In the other games, but yeah, um, so this, this is just to say it was a fun game to watch, uh, but it, it also for me was just like a realization of like, man, why can't why can't this team just click like most games? Yeah, yeah, and just yeah, and be consistent, and you know, not like you said that in the previous three games heading into this one, they had scored three, two, and one. So, yeah. um, and, and no DD, no Harper. Yeah, 
Yeah. It's just uh, and, and then Boom looked good. He had three hits and mm-hmm. his stance looked a little more open uh, than yeah. usual. So maybe he's trying something out. Um, you know, during BP, we'll see if that uh, holds up. And of course, they score seventeen runs and then have a rainout and an off day. <laughs> Uh, Aaron Ola would go five innings, allowing eight hits, three earned runs, two walks, and two strikeouts. That second strikeout would be his 1,000th in his career um, yep. as a Philly. He was the fastest in uh, Philly's history to reach 1,000 strikeouts. And uh-huh. you know, when they when they showed that graphic, it's I don't know about you, but that's it was pretty shocking to see he was the fastest of you know some of the guys that have been here. And um, yeah, you know, I was very surprised. And also, another milestone, I think Reese hit his uh, 100th double of, of his career. Okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, um, you know, Reese has been hitting well, and like you, you mentioned, Boehm, you know, maybe putting something together there in that Cincinnati game, get his confidence up a little bit. And, um, you know, we've talked about Matt Joyce a couple of times. It's, you know, nice to see him with a couple home runs off the bench. Um, you know, Miller's been seeing some playing time, so... You know, you never know. You never know when a team's going to just, you know, kind of get going and and you know peel off nine out of ten games or whatever it is. And you know, you you go nine and uh, nine and one in this division. It's um, you know, I feel like we're doing CPR on like someone who's just trying to hold on, just like come on, <laughs> you, can, you, can, you can survive. Yeah, yeah. Well, and it's just it's just the nature of this division where everything is so tight and. Um, probably will be for the rest of the year. You know, we have talked about before about the Mets getting their, you know, a couple of their pitchers back, but they just had a setback with Syndergaard and he looks like he's going to be out for a little while longer. So um, there's no guarantees. You know, you, you just, you just don't know. So, um, but it is worth mentioning the, the upcoming schedule that the Phillies have because uh, Bob, I hate to tell you, it does not look pretty. I have to call it. God damn it. All right, let me try that again. It does not look pretty. Uh, so, as you mentioned, the... No, let me try that again. As you mentioned, the, the Phillies are coming back home uh, at Citizens Bank Park. They're going to be playing eight games here. Uh, the first set is against the Washington Nationals, you know, the inter- in interdivision opponent. First time Washington is coming to Philadelphia this year. Uh, not the greatest record there, 23-30, and 30, but any game against a division opponent is going to be difficult. And, um, uh, you know, right now I, I really don't know what to expect. The Phillies did take two out of three in Washington uh, a couple of weeks ago and had a chance really to sweep. But, um, you know, what, what, what do you see? Uh, how do you see at least this first three game set going? Um, especially with Wheeler kicking things off, uh, tomorrow night. Uh, I am, uh, nervous. It is a divisional uh, series. Um, it is a winnable series. Um, the Nationals um, are not playing very well. Uh, they are at the bottom of the division. Um, but I wish we had more than just Wheeler pitching because we have Wheeler on Friday. Then we have Spencer Howard, who we talked about, you know, his issues, and then we have Vince, who, yeah, he was on a hot streak. Um, but at least for me, I am sort of worried. Uh, he's a very uh, confidence-based pitcher, in my opinion. He needs um, some good motivation, some good confidence. I'm hoping that start last time out does not hang with him um, for Sunday's game. 
Um, if it doesn't, and he is back to where he was before, then I feel a little bit better about this series. But um, you know, just having Zach and no Eflin or Nola in this series has me a little bit worried. Yeah, yeah, I I, I could see that. Um, I, we've talked before about how, you know, our, I hate when the Phillies play against Atlanta, especially in Atlanta. Um, you had mentioned not being a fan of when they go to Washington. Do you do you feel the same? Uh, because I, I think it's just a natural thing to have, you know, those those feelings, uh, you know, against certain teams. And um, at least for me, I feel pretty okay with um, going up against Washington. I'm not, I'm not too worried about them um, coming here. Especially, I, I, I think not taking two out of three is unacceptable. Honestly. Um, mm-hmm. Um, you know, and it sounds silly after we just got done talking about, you know, how close this division is, but, um, I, I think these are completely winnable games with the caveat. Yes. You know, you have a couple of pitchers going that are not your top guys, but, uh, I think that, um, if, if you're, if you want to think that your team can, um, you know, make it to the playoffs, then this is a this is a series that I think you should be pretty confident about. And yeah. I don't know if I would use the word confident, but I just I just feel like they can they can pick two out of three off here. Yeah, this is I mean I agree with everything you just said. This is a winnable series. This is a series that they should win. This is a series that honestly um they kind of need to. It's against the division opponents. It's at home. Uh I I don't feel as bad when Nationals are playing in Philly. It's more of a when we're in DC kind of a feel. Um, but it's just with the inconsistency of the offense and with the issues that we've seen um, from Spencer Howard and with my personal you know issues with Vince and seeing him sort of um, when things don't go right, they kind of just unravel in the past for him. If Spencer Howard and Vince Vasquez can hold the Nationals and just limit the runs uh, and just give the offense a chance, especially later in games where we seem to do a lot better as an offense, then yeah, uh, then I then I will feel better and and I will say yeah, they can win this series. But um, I just don't have that guarantee or that guaranteed feeling that Spencer and Vince will automatically do that. Yep, that's. Uh all totally reasonable and you know we'll see how things go home cooking seems to have helped this team out a bit this year and you know they're they're going to need it with the way they play on the road um especially after uh or especially with after washington leaves town uh they welcome the braves back to philadelphia for their second series here um three game another three game set two night games and a day game um which if everything lines up you get wheeler in the last game of that series so again um, you know, your top guy going there, Aaron Nola. Actually, all three. Yeah, Nola, Eflin, yeah. uh, and Wheeler. This series I feel much better about because you have, or you should literally have your top three guys going this series. Yeah. Um, so this is the series I feel the, the best about. Um, and I'm not so great about the following series. Yeah. Um, because, like I said, with the rotation falling the way it is, you're going to have the Yankees come to town for a weekend series. Only two game sets. But uh, if the line, if the rotation falls the way it's been falling, which uh, you know it's going, it's going to, unless 
some weird change happens, you're going to have Spencer Howard and Vince Velasquez uh, facing the Yankees, which is not the two pitchers that I would prefer, prefer to have face the Yankees. But um, on the flip side, I think it's two ahead of ourselves. On the flip side, once we go out west after the Yankees uh, and face the Dodgers, you know, we'll have the rotation line up again for uh, all three, Noah, Eflin, and we were to face the Dodgers in LA. So it's sort of a give and take this homestand. Yeah. Um, I, I am glad you brought up those other series because this is one of the things I wanted to touch on. These next five series are really going to be, um, yeah. Andrew, um, we're going to San Francisco finally. <laughs> well, yeah. So these next five series are going to be, pretty telling as far as how this season really is going to shake out. You've got two three-game series against divisional opponents and then three series against pretty darn good teams. The Yankees, they've been hot up and down this year. They're they're on a little bit of a of a um of a skid. And then you go to play the Dodgers that they're third place in the NL West, but they would be first place in any other division um in the National League. And then yes, you go to play the San Francisco Giants who have the best record uh in the National League and also the Phillies former manager that you know, so many people thought couldn't do it here, but seems to be doing pretty well in San Francisco, but let's uh, save that for another day. Uh, so five straight series that are all difficult in their own way. Divisional opponents who, yes, don't have the greatest records, but division games are so so much of a toss-up that you just never know. And then against three teams that are all playoff contenders. So uh, these, uh, these games are going to be crucial to how this season plays out for the team. And um, you know, it all gets started with this homestand. You have you have to win each of these series. So take two out of three from the Nationals, take two out of three from the Braves, and uh, split with the Yankees. And I think, especially the you know you just laid it out. If if that Yankees um, if that Yankee series plays out like we're expecting, where the two starters will be Howard and Velasquez, then um, taking one out of two of those would be phenomenal. And then. You know, of course, it depends on how the previous six games go, but, um, you know, we'll see. That's, I mean, that's how much this season or how this season pretty much has been. Let's, you know, we'll see. Um, and then after that, um, heading into the end of the month. So with a couple of rainouts that the Phillies have had this year, um, I did not know this until I sat down to look at the schedule just before we started recording here. In the span of 17 days leading up to the All-Star game, the Phillies will be playing 18 games. They kick things off with a doubleheader on June 25th against the Mets. Uh, they finish out the next two games of that series. And then the rained-out game against the Cincinnati Reds will be played on Monday, June 28th. Uh, and then the Phillies do not have another off day after that until the All-Star break. And in that um, in that stretch, they're going to be playing the Padres, the Cubs, and the Red Sox. So, yeah. There is nothing easy coming up for this team as we as we head into the All Star break. There is just uh, they have a couple off days, but there are there are really no series that are cakewalks. I mean, it's against it's against division um, opponents, it's against division leaders, uh, with a game against the Reds thrown in there. So it's uh, not going to be easy. the The next uh, quote unquote easy series that I can see just offhand is the July 30th through August mm-hmm. 1st series uh, mm-hmm. where they play the lowly Pittsburgh Pirates. Uh, other mm-hmm. than that, it's division opponents, it's LA, it's the NL West, it's the AL East, uh, it's you know the Cubs who 
are sort of middling, but um, they still have some talent in there. Um, so it is, you know, that's why I said earlier, you know, where is this team at? Um, is this team more on the quote unquote rebuilding side or um, can this team be sort of ramped up for some kind of run? Uh, me personally, I think to get any kind of run out of this team would be next year, and it would re- require Middleton opening up his wallet for Dave to use. Yeah, it's That's a story for probably another podcast. Yeah, and especially you know we'll we'll talk about it more as it gets as we get closer to the um, All Star break and the trade deadline because you know what is there really that you know this team has to offer in terms of trades, but. Yes, that's um, that could be a lot of talking, and yes, I, I agree. We'll we'll save them for uh, when we need to fill some more time. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, they did uh, break out the All Star voting uh, links this week. Um, I guess real quickly, we we kind of touched on our, touched on it earlier, but um, Bob, who are the uh, All Stars from this team? Maybe All Star. Uh, the only all-star that I see um, is uh, Zachary Wheeler. Um, I just think he's a, a no-doubt all-star for this team. Uh, he's just been phenomenal. Um, probably, maybe, the best career year he's had. Um, just offhand, I know he's uh, sort of set some milestones as far as strikeout games compared to his uh, previous uh, years with the Mets, um, but I think as of right now, it's Wheeler, and uh, I know it's probably just me and Andrew at this point. Um, I mean, Hector Neris has an ERA under two. Uh, there's probably a lot more bullpen guys um, throughout the league that are more deserving, but um, that's just another guy offhand that I can see as maybe getting consideration. Yeah, I've, because of the rule about every team getting an all-star, I think Zach Wheeler right now is the lock. And then, yeah, um, uh, Hector Neris is... Uh, he deserves a look. I, I do agree with that. But, yeah, there are probably other closers that are just um, getting more opportunities and will probably take the spot over him. And, um, you know, there's... You could make it a you could make a case that Odubel, if he were to keep things up, you know, he could get some votes. Um you know, it he did miss the beginning portion of the year, so it would take probably something more special out of him. But uh, yeah, it's it's pretty much Zach Wheeler or bust at this point. Um, I guess to um, to kind of wrap up the talk about the current Phillies team, a few notes: Adam Hazley has made his return to the team and will be starting in AAA either tonight or tomorrow night. So, um, you know. Uh, with Quinn going out for the season and, you know, we, we talked about Joyce, you know, with his couple of home runs, but, um, you know, Hazley Hazley could find himself back on the major league roster. I think no doubt, especially if he plays well in triple a, um, you know, he's really only an outfield guy, but, um, you know, you got McCutcheon who scuffles from time to time, Harper, who is hurt currently. Um, but could be, he could be back. Um, you know, he was eligible to come off the list yesterday. Um, you know, we haven't really heard word yet about if or when he'll come off. Um, certainly hope it's soon with, with all these, um, you know, difficult games coming up. But 
so those are two names that we could be looking out for as far as uh, returning to the major league roster sooner than later. Yeah, I think it's absolutely possible. I mean, he has to beat out um, Janikowski and Joyce. Mm-hmm. Um, so if either of those two falter and he uh, does a decent job in AAA, I can definitely see him making the big league club again, especially with uh, Quinn being done for the rest of the season. Um, so yeah, I, I'm actually sort of expecting him to be back with uh, the big club at some point this season. Well, as we take a look back, or we can take a look back at um, you know 11 years ago and a couple of days on top of that, uh, Roy Halladay did throw his perfect game against the Florida Marlins down in uh, down in Florida. Um, man, what a special game! This was this was going on. Your memory is probably better than mine in terms of the Flyers. They were was it the opening game of the uh, the Stanley Cup that that year that this got? It was the same night as. Uh, it was. Um, yeah, it was. There was a playoff game for the Flyers. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is actually a funny story. Uh, me and my friend uh, was at his house, and we were watching the Flyers, and we're like, we were always the mindset of uh, you know playoffs before um, any sort of uh, regular season game, mm-hmm. especially a game against the Marlins. Who wants to watch a game in yeah. May against the Marlins? So we watched that game. Um, it's sort of muddled. I forget if we won or lost. I think we won that playoff game. I, I didn't get a chance to go back and actually look at uh, what game that was. Um, but we we turned the channel to the Phillies, and it felt like a movie. It was literally Tom McCarthy going, and can you believe what we just witnessed? Uh. Like, what did we miss? <laughs> Uh, yeah. So yes, I actually never watched the game. I've I've actually I've since seen the game in highlights, and I've seen the game uh, all the way through, uh, but I did not see the game live. Um, and then my poor friend uh, who I was with, and that he that we, he missed the game uh, later on that season when uh, Doc threw the second no hitter uh, in uh, postseason history against the Reds. Uh, he was uh, out on a uh, a trip out west, and <laughs> I called him about four times after the game. No answer. He then called me back, and with this just defeated sound in his voice, goes, what did I miss? And I went, nothing, just the second no-hitter in postseason history. Just about a quarter to eight, October the 6th, 2010, the first postseason game for Roy Halladay. He winds the 0-2, swing and a dribbler out in front of the plate. Ruiz out to get it. The throw from his knees, it's in time, and it's a no-hitter. Unbelievable. Ruiz and Halladay embrace, and the Phillies again celebrate around Roy Halladay. Four nothing. It's the second no hitter in Major League postseason history here tonight at Citizens Bank Park. And so the same year, luckily I saw one of them because I was actually working at the stadium at the time. I was there live, and I was you know mere yards away from Ruiz when he threw that ball down to Howard for the last out. Mm-hmm. I got to see that 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 game live. I missed the first. Perfect game, but my poor friend 
missed two iconic moments in Philly's history. Bunts uh, mm. apart. So it's it's funny. I've I've got. I, I think anybody who's you know a fan of the team has stories about these games. And uh, for me, it's sort of similar for the uh, perfect game. I was um, at a family friend's house for the uh, for the Flyers game and. I've never been a huge hockey guy, so I was kind of off on my own in a separate room watching the Phillies game. And, you know, uh, I, prob- I probably didn't watch the first three or four innings, but, you know, I tuned in for a decent portion of the of the ending. And, yeah, it was, you know, pretty much me being like, uh, guys, you know, let's uh, maybe flip this Phillies game on because, you know, he's going through each inning and it's like, OK, 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 OK. And, and, and just, man, what a what a just magical special game and you know we haven't seen one for the Phillies since then and I mean we really haven't seen a pitcher like Roy Holiday for the Phillies since then and um but yeah what a special uh night that was of course with a perfect game he goes nine innings no hits no walks 11 strikeouts and I thought this was pretty cool after after that game his ERA was at 199 I mean man what a I keep using the word special, but what a special player he was. And he was up against Josh Johnson, who at the time for the Marlins was was their ace. He was their guy. And, um, you know, it was it was a pitcher's duel. And, you know, the only run Johnson gave up was on a misplayed ball out in the center field. And that was the that was the only score for the Phillies. It, you know, it was a one nothing uh, finish. So, um, yeah, just uh, I can't believe it's been 11 years since this one. And yeah, um, yeah I still been- hear. I still hear Tom McCarthy's call every you know every time they replay it. The mm-hmm. uh, Castro has it. Spin fire is a perfect game. It's just, uh, yeah, just just what a uh, what a memory. And then for the um, for the no hitter, um, I was at um, at you know my high school working or in uh, whatever club it was making making signs. I don't know. I was just at an after school activity or whatever, and <clears throat> it got to be. Um, you know, got to be the sixth and seventh inning, and you know, me and my friend, who were both Phillies fans, are sitting there listening or following on our phones. However, we were doing, and I think after the seventh inning, after there was no hits, we both looked at each other. We we're like, oh, "We got to get out of here." We both called our parents and got rides home and left early because you know, you, you just you can't miss out on something like that. And I distinctly remember my dad going through a red light just to, or I shouldn't say going through a red light, but turning on a red light when he wasn't supposed to just just so we got home on time and. um yeah, just um, really. Uh, I, I I don't know. I don't know. I don't really put into words how you know. Yeah, how he was just a special uh, pitcher just to watch. I was lucky enough to, like I said, work at the stadium for many years. Mm-hmm. Um, I I do all the uh, the entire fan base an apology. Um, I believe just before the fourth inning, I did say the the p word. Uh, perfect um <laughs> and then afterwards uh he walked i believe it was jay bruce yes it and, was uh, only only andrew and maybe people home will know this but uh jordan who we work with mm-hmm. uh came back to the kitchen and just gave me a death stare and i said <laughs> i'm so sorry jordan i don't need to say perfect uh, um but um when i went outside to watch the last inning um it was just just a crazy feeling. There was, uh, it was standing, standing there. We were standing and cheering. Uh, but when that ball hit the bat in front of Ruiz, you could have heard a pin drop for mm-hmm. what felt like an eternity. And then to watch him pick up the ball and just fire a strike down to Howard, I can just see it in my head. Like 
I was there. That was just uh, very, very fortunate enough to see that. Um, and just even seeing Roy before games and how he would um, work out and, and uh, prepare. Uh, I just vividly remember watching long toss, and he was the only pitcher, because they would do long toss out in the outfield. He was the only pitcher I can remember when he did long toss with Ruiz in the outfield. I could hear Ruiz's glove just smack every time the ball hit his mitt, mm-hmm. just doing long toss. That's, uh, that's the kind of effort um, Roy put into just training. Yep. Yep, he never, um, you know, never, uh, never looked weak. I, 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 there's probably a better way to say that, but he just, he always had on, you know, his game face, you know, you know, on those game days, it was just such a stoic look to him. And man, I don't know how, as a batter, you look, look at him looking back at you and think you have any chance of hitting the ball. Cause you know that that cutter of his, uh, just everything about his demeanor was was so great. And then, um, you know, you get the stories of, you know, how often Chase Utley was the first guy, you know, there at spring training or before a game and working out. And uh, I guess it was the first, um, you know, first game or you know, first day of spring training after the Phillies had acquired Halliday. Uh, Utley shows up to the ballpark, and Halliday was already there, drenched in sweat. He had already gotten his first workout in, so um, you know, he was no nonsense. He, you know, he knew what. Um, knew what he needed to do and how to get it done and how to get himself ready for the games and man, what a what a tragedy to see you know just just how he went out and you know how he how he battled demons just like anybody else did and um, you know especially because it seemed like he was on a on a path to being possibly a major league coach at some point yeah he was I know he was uh, coaching for some of his kids teams and some of the younger some of the younger players and he was working mm-hmm. with the Phillies as a uh, I guess a specialist um, consultant or whatever you know terminology they use, and yeah, that that Roy Oswalt tweet is just uh, just sums yes. up the how Doc is. He's talking about a uh, sort of like a pickup tournament game with four major leaguers, and uh, Doc wanted to know how competitive it was so he could get in shape. Um, so that's just the kind of player he was, and luckily enough that we were able to watch him, and uh, you know. It was very odd that a few weeks back it was his forty fourth or would have been his forty fourth birthday when the game one of the Blue Jays Philly series happened mm. back when the back on May fourteenth. But um special player, special moment in uh Philly's history. That whole year was just uh really special getting to watch him and uh getting to see history made twice in the same season. Uh just very incredible. Yep, absolutely. Well, that'll do it for us um, for this edition of the podcast. I guess uh, before we head out, any any sort of prediction for these next six games going up against the uh, the Nationals and the Braves here in uh, here in Philly. Um, I I'm going to say I'm not even going to think about the Yankee series yet because we'll probably get to that after the next show. Yeah, um, I'm going to say. I'm going to be optimistic here and say four and two, uh, just because uh, the Brave series, you have all three, you know, of your best going out. And, um, you know, you're hoping that maybe Vince or Spencer can steal you at least one of those two. Um, so I'm going to be optimistic and say four and two. The Phillies are going to win five out of these six games against the Nationals and Braves. Oh. Um, you know, with, with, 
getting Wheeler twice. You'll have Nola in there. You'll have Eflin in there. Um, you know, coming off of a absolutely fantastic offensive performance in that last game against Cincinnati. Um, the chance of Harper coming back this weekend. Um, I think it all adds up to, uh, and, and which we haven't even mentioned yet, the um, the stadium going back to 100% capacity this weekend, starting with tomorrow's game. So I think the combination of all these things gets this team um, strapped to a rocket, and um, you know, we see a pretty good stretch of games for this team. They, I think they, they start to turn things around. Um, and if this is wrong, I will be going back and deleting this part of the podcast. So we'll see how it goes. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> Uh, so thank you everyone who has uh, tuned in and listened to this episode. We'll be back next week to cover these six games against the division opponents and uh, you know, reevaluate where the full season is. So thanks again everyone and uh, catch you next week. Enjoy the games.